West End Abbey is a contemplative vineyard church in the West End of Winnipeg in Manitoba, Canada. This is a homily from one of our services. Thanks, Suhail. Thanks for having me. Every one of you braving the heat and whatever was happening in your lives to be here together. So I don't take it for granted. And thanks, Doug, for reading. Um, a very thoughtful I thought reading, not just like, oh, I've read this a thousand times before, and I appreciate it when people take their time with stories that are familiar, and I could almost hear you like reading things going, oh, that's ringing in a new way for me this time when I read it, so thank you, Doug. So the creation story is a familiar one, the one in Genesis 1. There's another one in Genesis 2, which is more dramatic and earthy and filled with other things, um, but this one in Genesis 1 is very familiar, and we see a kind of progression in it. So there's several ways to look at this progression. So let's think of building blocks. So we have um, light and darkness, and then we put the block on of water above and below, and then we have land and skis. Skis? Did you know that skis were in the creation story. Land and seas and vegetation. And then we have sun and moon and stars. And then we have sea creatures. Like it's just building and building. There's such a momentum that comes with this. It's, it's almost like a poem. It's very poetic. And then sea creatures. And then animals and humans. And then be fruitful and multiply. And you're like, wow, we've reached the pinnacle. And then oh, create, the creator rests. And it's a holy day. And this, I think, is kind of the way I've heard it often told, a momentum, a building, a building block way of looking at it. And more recently, I've thought of it in a different way, so I'd like to invite us to engage with it in a slightly different way. Um, one of the reasons is because uh, the number seven is very important in this story. So seven representing completion or fullness. And we very often read the story as if day six is the completion and the fullness. And humanity has, like, where could you go from humanity? Like, that's it. It's the pinnacle. But it's not really. Day seven is rest. And that's the completion. That's the only thing that's said to be holy in all of creation. And it's just, I think, once I saw that, I went, oh, I've been reading this very human-centered way instead of, uh, creation-centered or even creator-centered or rest-centered in that way. So that was one of the things that I, I noted when in recent years when I've been uh, looking at it. But another way to look at this is as if the universe is a couch. Dog's looking at me. A couch. A, there's no, oh, there's a couch right there. Well, it's kind of chairs. But the universe is a couch. So Day one, we have light, light everywhere. And then it's like creator says, okay, light, scooch over. We're gonna make some room for darkness because you don't get to take up all the space here. Okay. Water, scooch over because we're gonna separate you into different parts. So scooch over, make room for something. Land, okay, land, good. I'm, it's very good that you're here, but scooch over a little bit. We're gonna make room for some plants and some fruit trees, okay? Give space for that. Harvest season. I know you think you're the best because you provide fruit and that's when everything comes to fullness, 
but scooch over because we need other seasons as well. We need seeding. Well, we need growing. We actually need dormancy in some ways to develop other things. So scooch over, make room for that. Son, I know you're brilliant. That's a pun. Uh, so scooch over, make room for the moon. And moon, scooch over, make room for the stars. Like everybody needs their own space here. Seas, you'd think water was full of itself, water, and that's a good thing, but make room. We got sea creatures that are coming in here and they need some space. Sky, wonderful. Make some room, because we got birds coming in. What else? Mosquitoes, maybe. I don't know what else lives in the air. Uh, land, again, I know you already made room for plants and vegetations. How generous of you. But could you scooch over a little more and make room for animals and humans? And vegetation, you're doing so great, but you're very fruitful. So could you give, donate some of what you um, produce for fruit for the animals and the creatures? Because unlike you, they don't just automatically produce enough food. They have to actually get it from somewhere else. Humans, they're so codependent, interdependent, or dependent. We're very dependent creatures. So could you give some to the birds and the humans and all these other creatures so that they have life and keep going? And then all of creation. Could everybody just scooch over because things are going to multiply? And you need to make space for more and more and more and more in a very good way. So more seeds, more plants, more fruit, more fish, more birds, more animals, more humans. More and more of creation just keeps expanding. And this is, must be a big couch, I guess. The universe as its couch must be really, really big. And I just saw uh, Marcus and I sharing a chair and I went, look at that. They already know how to do this, how to make space for other people, how to scooch over and go, you're welcome to share this space with me. I will make space for you. So instead of a vertical kind of building blocks on top of each other, momentum building to a pinnacle, it's always just moving sideways and expanding and getting bigger and bigger and bigger to make room for each other. And then at the end of all that space making, what do we get to do? We look around and we delight in it, and we rest all together, because we're on a couch, right? So that's the holy part, is the holy rest that we all get to do together on the universal couch. And today is Trinity Sunday, as Suhil mentioned. And I want to take a look at, very briefly, at Trinity as kind of the model of diversity and making space for the other because the fact that Trinity has this within themselves, that's why we have it in creation. It's reflected, the, the creator creates out of what the creator is. So the creation is a reflection of the diversity and impulse to make space for the other that is already present in the creator. So, and we have this clue in the first couple, we have clues in the first couple of verses of Genesis already. So, in the beginning when God, the word, uh, Hebrew word here is Elohim, which is plural. In the beginning when God, they, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. So there's lots of raw material here to work with. While a wind or spirit, this is the word ruach, and it's a feminine. So, while the wind or spirit, she, 
was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, so we have this an utterance or words coming out. And later in the Gospel of John, we find out this word is identified with Jesus, God in the flesh, God made present to the world. And God said, let there be, and there was. So you have these three actors uh, in this story of creation, the divine community, creating, hovering, making intangible or chaotic things tangible and ordered. There's a physicality embodiment to it. You can touch all of these things that are created. Yet the creator acts as one. And this is always what you find. The Elohim is a plural noun that takes a singular verb. So it's they is. That's how it kind of reads in the, in the Hebrew. So this is a community celebrating difference by celebrating creation, but that difference has already been celebrated in themselves, the creator. And there's no coercion. Everyone knows we do something different, but we're all acting as one. We're doing one thing together. So there's a mutual giving and receiving. And it's very generative. It's like uh, synergy in some way. Synergy is generative, right? Because it's different parts working together to be larger than the, than the sum of its parts in some way. So creation is the overflow of a creative loving community, what Richard Rohr calls the divine dance. So you see all these partners moving together and just going, it's just one kind of fluid movement, but you can kind of make out the different parts, but they're all making space for each other. Because you know what it's like when you're dancing and you step on, your partner steps on your feet, been there, done that. That's not what you're trying, you're going for. You're going for making space for the other, that you're really intimate, in an intimate space, but you're moving so in unison that you're not stepping on each other or taking the lead and coercing the other. You're moving together. So I want to tell you a story about making space for the other. And some of you might have already heard of this story. This is the story of Jeff and Chunk. So Jeff is a gardener. So he planted a gardener, and he, he realized, somebody is eating all my produce. Like, what is going on? So he's clever. He puts up a camera in front of his garden. He says, I'm going to see who the culprit is here who's eating all the things out of my garden. So he saw a few animals here and there uh, taking stuff from his garden. But then one day, he saw this groundhog, whom he named Chunk. And the groundhog would go right up to the camera and just eat all the food right in front of the camera. And it's like, wow, bold. Okay, he's here every day eating all of my food. Okay. Uh, and then one day he saw there's two groundhogs, a slightly smaller groundhog. Chunk has a girlfriend. Okay, so now they're both standing in front of the camera and munching away on the tomatoes and the carrots and everything. Um, so he's like, Okay, so he's watching them throughout the summer, and you know what? He starts to get attached to Chunk and Nibbles, that's, that's the girlfriend's name, and at the end of the season, they go into hibernation, and throughout the winter, he's thinking, what do I do? Like, you know, they need to eat too, I don't know, I need to eat, I want my garden too, and he had tried fencing, he had tried all kinds of deterrence, nothing worked, these groundhogs are Chunk, he clever. You hungry, you clever, right? So he's, he's got around all of it. Um, so come spring, Jeff decided, well, I'm obviously just going to plant a garden for Chunk and Nibbles. 
which has no fence, they can eat freely. And I'll plant my own garden, which has a fence, so there's a little bit of deterrent. They don't need to go through the fence, they have their own garden. So that's what he did. He planted one garden for himself, put a little fence around it so they know that's, that's Jeff's. And then he put up a fence for the groundhogs. And then he waited. He's kind of like excited for his neighbors. And sure enough, they appeared. There's Chunk, there's Nibbles. They came, they went to their garden, and they started eating out of the produce of the garden. And then little groundhogs appeared as well. So something, something happened over the winter. So three little groundhogs eventually appeared. And they all, for whatever reason, because Chunk taught them, you eat in front of the camera. That's just proper manners, that's how we eat. So they all eat in front of the, in front of the camera. And um, this is Jeff, a quote from Jeff. If I can do a job to protect them and keep them safe and prolong their life, I'm all for it. I'm just the gardener here, and they're the wildlife that enjoys it. I'm thinking next year there could be six, seven, eight babies. I'm going to have to start making the garden bigger. I'm ready for it, bring it on. That's Jeff scooching over and making space instead of trying to eradicate a creature that he found troublesome and was on his territory, so to speak. And he's going, actually, there's enough for all. We just have to adjust a few things and plant a few more things. And we all get to enjoy each other's company and live together um, in peace and harmony and intimacy and friendliness instead of trying to jostle, jostle each other off the couch. And I thought that was an excellent example of making space, a very Trinitarian impulse to make space for the other. So I just want to take a moment now and ask, who are you finding it hard to make space for? It could be a part of yourself that you'd, you'd rather wasn't intruding on, you, on your life right now. Maybe it's someone who is challenging you in some way. Maybe it's someone who's demanding a lot from, from you right now and you'd rather have a little less demands on your life. Maybe it's someone whose experience is very different from yours and you find it difficult to understand. And maybe it's some part of creation. It's not a person, it's like, birds pooping on your balcony, or groundhogs eating your tomatoes, or mosquitoes biting your skin. Um, in what way is it hard for you to make space right now? And your impulse is to protect your space instead of scooch over and give some space for others. And how can we enter into holy rest together so that we're not working against something, but we're all sitting together on this beautiful couch and enjoying holy rest and delight together. This is what the Trinity does for each other. This is what the Creator community does for us in welcoming us into the world. This is what other people have done. This is what your parents did for you. <laughs> scooted over on their couch, scooched over, and made room for you in their lives. And I see that is what this community does as well, make space for each other. And the kids are the prime example, as always, 
sharing a chair together, showing us how to live together in a good way. So may you enjoy holy rest. May you enjoy holy delight. May you enjoy lots and lots of good company on your couch. And may you know that you are always welcome on someone's couch. And may you always make space for someone else on your couch. It's what the Trinity would do. <laughs>